Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Welcome to The Gathering Room. I'm Martha Beck. Yay. Today's topic is when life beats you down. And I, I did a little meme on this on social media yesterday, and it seemed to be ringing people's chimes a bit. So I thought that is something I will talk to them about. So this week, I don't know if you guys uh, read Oprah Magazine. People are reading magazines very much less than they used to, so I won't be offended if you don't. But I don't actually write a column for the magazine anymore. What happens is that I have an editor who sets up a coaching session between me and a person that I've never met. And then we have coaching sessions and the editor, Amy, listens in. She's awesome. And she types them up into articles. So I get new clients and I get, she chooses, Amy chooses a subject. Well, this last couple of months, I usually talk to them two to three months in like a session a month. And this month we were looking at people who've been through IVF, in vitro fertilization. So they're having infertility issues and they're trying to have babies. And uh, she chose a woman for me to work with who is just the absolute salt of the earth. She's 41. She's been trying to get pregnant for 15 years. Like one of these folks who just knows in her soul that she's meant to be a baby. (laughs) We're all meant to be babies. She's meant to be a mother. And so um, I thought, okay, I know a little bit about this. We'll talk about the stressors. We'll get her, you know, we'll work with her despair and whatever, because it's a really, really awful process. And it's like your heart gets broken over and over and over. And even if it's just a year, it can actually be as traumatic to go through in infertility treatments as to go through a course of cancer treatment. It's not, it is not for ants, as they say in South Africa, it is not a walk in the park. So I thought, okay, this woman's been going through it for 15 years. She'll be just a mess because it's literally like every month or every couple of months that it doesn't work. You put all the, all your money, all your hope, all your longing, boom, again, it's like losing child after child after child. So I was all ready for this. I'm like, I am, I'm geared up. And I went in and started coaching her and there was like nothing wrong with her almost eerily (laughs) like I kept thinking there's gotta be something wrong with like you gotta have some scars here and she did she had grief but the bones had all grown back stronger in the broken places right and I've rarely worked with anyone who had such a clear mind such a clear heart such a clear spirit like she was just clear and I didn't quite know what to do about it, frankly, because usually people have things you can work on. But I started to wonder, here's this wonderful person, and why has life just beat on her so hard? Like, certain people just seem to get the tar knocked out of them over and over again. And, you know, you may know somebody uh, who just has Well, like, for example, Joe Biden, someone was telling me today, very few people in politics have lost as many people to an untimely death as he had. Like, he's really been kicked in the head a few times. Um, Whatever your politics are, you've got to believe that because he's lost a lot of people. Why? That's the question. Why do certain people get beaten on? And at certain periods of time in our lives, we feel like we're getting beaten on. And right now in the world, what with all the COVID and whatnot, 
things just keep beating on the whole. All of us are getting pounded by circumstances. So I may have told you, or I may not have told you about how the Japanese living masters make a samurai sword. Now, until at the time it was created in the 12th century, the samurai sword was the highest level of technology known on earth. And it's still being used to, they still have these people who are trained in the ancient ways who, who make these swords the same way. And they're considered living treasures in Japan. And the way they made the swords, they would take an incredibly highly refined piece of steel. They would like burn out all the, all the, what do they call it, slag or whatever. They would like hyper perfect this piece of steel. And then they would take it and they would beat it out flat and then they'd heat it and double it and beat it out flat again, heat it, double it, beat it out flat for four months, like all day, every day, they would just beat this piece of steel. And at the end of that time, you had an instrument that was so sharp, it could cut a hair floating on water. It was so strong, it could cut through a bamboo tree this big with one cut it was so flexible, they could bend it almost double and it would spring back to its original shape. It was the, it was a masterpiece of human technology. And so I think that at times when we are being beaten and beaten and beaten, it could just be that the universe has take, decided to make a samurai sword, decided to make something really, really useful and beautiful and incredible. And to do that, it takes very fine materials and then it just beats the crap out of them for months and months and years and years. And at the end of that time, it's like this woman I was coaching the other day. She was a samurai sword. And I have, I, I really want to know when she gets pregnant. And I say when, not if, because I had an overwhelmingly strong feeling at the end of the call that she was going to, uh, and I said, this is off the record because it's just my, I don't know, wishful thinking or instincts or whatever. But I'm like, she's she's gonna have a baby and that baby is coming to the best parents like if she if they'd accidentally or on purpose gotten pregnant 15 years ago and that child was a 15 year old it would not be the same child as if they have a child now and they raise the child as samurai swords these people both the woman and her husband whom i haven't met they've been beaten and beaten and beaten and they're so clear and so pure and I really do believe they're going to have their heart's desires. I have a feeling when I'm coaching people if it's going to happen for them or not and I really feel like it's going to happen for them but they have to be the right parents for that particular baby and that required being beaten and beaten Ugh. and doubled and beaten. So I've felt that way at many times in my own life there and it, you know that things are like going weird when the, the bad things that happen to you start to be statistically improbable. So there's a story that Carolyn Mays tells about this, um, this guy who he had, he built a company as an entrepreneur. He was really wealthy and he bought this like fabulous car, like an old Lamborghini or something. And, um, he had this beautiful wife and a gorgeous house. And one day he got up and he went to work and he walked in and the partners in his law firm said, uh, we don't want you here anymore. Here, you can take shares or money, but we're buying you out. We don't want to be work with you. He was like, whoa, that's like being kicked in the face, not in the side, in the face. So he went home to tell his wife 
And he walked in and all her stuff was gone and there was a note saying, I've left you. And he went outside again to get in his car and go look for her and someone had stolen his car. <laughs> He'd been so depressed he left the keys in the car and someone took it. And according to Carolyn Mace, this man sat down on the steps of his house, looked at the place where his car had been and said to himself, I smell God. Because really, only God could mess up your life that much in one day. So you look at what's going on right now and, um, you know, the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu, the worst economic situation since the depression, uh, worst political climate than anything since probably close to the Civil War. Um, what else? Oh yeah, climate change. Worse than anything we've ever faced. So that's a good time. And it just looks, it just looks, the deck is too stacked, you guys. I smell God. So what do you do? I'm not crying, crying. I'm just having allergies. Uh, what do you do when you're in one of these times? And it might be, it might double up for you. It might be that you're getting, like these people, this couple going through infertility are doing it within the context of COVID and global warming and all that stuff. So that can be just added up onto it. And it feels like you're breaking. And it, dross, that's the word I was looking for. The dross comes out of the metal. It's not pure enough. It has to be beaten out. So what happens in times when you're getting piled on is that parts of your psyche that are attached to the wrong things are being beaten to death. Like, and I know that sounds really grim, and, but it kind of matches the way it goes on this planet. I believe the Asian philosophical premise that if we got rid of our, all our illusions, we would be awake as consciousness without mortality. We wouldn't actually even be human. We'd just be life flowing into and out of different forms. So to get to that place of awakening, it's necessary, the Asian masters taught us, to let go of your ego. And you know, Western masters have done the same thing, but they don't have quite the same language. And the idea of an ego death, bits of your ego, it's not quite the same as the Freudian use of ego, but anything that's attached to an untruth or something that's not meant to be part of your particular uh, gift to the world, you either let it go automatically or it gets beaten out of you. So the worst time for me, the first and worst time was when I uh, had, I was getting my doctorate at Harvard and I'd been there forever and I had my son and uh, I was pregnant and uh, found out he had Down syndrome. I was violently, violently, violently nauseated all the time. I was trying to take care of another baby. My then husband was traveling constantly. He couldn't be around very much. And um, then the baby had, they figured out he had trisomy 21 um, Down syndrome and uh, I got hit by a car and I got caught in a burning building and it just went on and on and on to the point where finally I said, I smell God. And what it beat out of me was the cultural assumptions that I'd been able to develop basically because I like school. <laughs> I happened to be a nerdy egghead. So school was a happy place for me. And I very easily assumed the assumption I, I accepted the assumptions of the culture that being smart in a certain way meant you were somehow better 
I mean, I never thought that consciously, but it was in me. It was in my cells. It was in every, every test that it was so easy for me to pass, you know? And then I have this baby who's not going to pass those tests. And the question was, what's his life worth? And do you still love someone like that? Or do you keep them around you? Do you get rid of them? And close on the heels of that was the realization that I am one slip on the ice, one car accident away from being in a vegetative state or severely cognitively impaired myself. And it just like blew the doors off my world um, because that needed to be beaten out of me. Like, I really believe it was important for me to be educated in the way I was educated. And then I inherited from that a set of cultural assumptions that were wrong, just plain wrong. And now, and then they were beaten out of me. Um, maybe a few weeks ago, you saw me come completely unglued after reading, I don't know, five or six books right in a row about slavery and um, just the conditions people were in and reading letters. Um, from people about their experience of systemic racial oppression in the U.S. I just came completely unglued in front of y'all. And it was because those books have beaten out of me my lack of consciousness about what was going on all around me. And it, it always feels like death. It always is a death. And there's always grief at death. You always have to let yourself die. And there's always the sorrow. There's always the fear there's always resistance. There's often even pain and like physical shaking that goes with that. And in meditation schools, they know this well, that if you just sit still for long enough, all of this will come to find you. But if you don't sit still, and our culture doesn't encourage us to sit still, if you're running around trying to avoid anything that might upset you, pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain, sometimes life comes to get you. Sometimes the universe the universe picks up its hammer and goes to the fire and gets a beautiful ingot of you, heats you up white hot and then beats the crap out of you over and over and over until you're such a samurai sword. So I wanted just to say that to all of you because some of you out there are going to be going through this. There's no question. At some point we all have these experiences and it can help if somebody just comes in and says, this is what I think is happening to you. I think you're being made into a samurai sword. So Christina, hi, Christina. She says, I'd rather be less of a sword and take less beating though. What, yeah, that is true of our small selves. But when you feel that way, you always know that it's the part of you that is dying that feels that way. The part of you that needs to die. Anything that's afraid of the death is what is dying. And there's another part of you that's like, ah, nice to get rid of that. Nice to drop that burden of illusion and suffering because the part of you that dies is always part that is suffering. There is no part of consciousness, your pure consciousness that suffers. Every ego death takes with it a piece of your own suffering and the suffering gets less and less and less. And yet every subsequent loss still is terrifying. If you read books by people who've gone through very intense spiritual development, like David Hawkins, Hawkins, sorry, um, he talks about these bands of absolute terror and the fear of going into it and the fear of being annihilated and the anguish, and then you're through it, boom, and there's this bliss on the other side. And I've had that 
many times now. I, I haven't reached any big massive pure awakening, but I've gone through bands and bands and bands of loss and ego death and then found always on the other side, it's like, oh, okay, this is much more me. This is much more spacious. This is much more pure consciousness. And then the next ego death comes and I'm still scared to death and I hate it and it sucks. And then you get through it. And it's like on the other side of every black hole is a big bang. Like there's a new universe waiting for you every time you let go and die a little. So Kira says, when we're being forged, what else can we simultaneously do, sorry, simultaneously do to prepare for whatever we're being forged for? That's the great thing is um, you have no idea, no idea. I just, I wrote a note to some folks that, uh, friends of a friend who just had a baby with Down syndrome. And I just think back to that and I just, all I can tell them is the things you are about to experience, you could not imagine. If you think you know why this is happening in your life, you're probably a little bit right. And then there's this whole page, you know, you, you probably got one page of information and then there's like a 300 page book of things that are gonna happen to you that you literally can't imagine yet. It's so interesting how we have to imagine in little steps. We have to go forward just a little bit. Like when um, I moved from California to here, I was, uh, we were thinking about, okay, well, we wanna be in a place that has a lot of green so hmm, maybe we'll go uh, live in Portland because that's a green city, but it's not too far away. So we went and looked at Portland and we were like, that feels wrong. And then we, we just kept thinking, well, maybe Seattle, like we just couldn't make the leap to West to East Coast because humans think in these little iterations. And, um, and then finally we were talking to a friend who lives around here and she was like, why don't you just move out here? And no, she said, I'm so arrogant that I just assumed you would move to be near me, uh, you know, to my area of the world. And we were like, well, tell us about that. And as soon as she started talking and we went online, it was like, that's it. But we actually had to like kill off bits of our assumptions in order to open to, the, to what is there for us. It's what Joseph Campbell says. You have to give up the life you had planned in order to have the life that is waiting for you. And that always involves this ego death stuff. And often it comes with the feeling of being beaten, but really it's the feeling of being freed. But all you have left to lose is your chains. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. Okay, so Karen says, there's so much I'm imagining, I'm learning right now. Sorry, my eyeballs aren't so great. Anti-racist learning, hang on, ha-ha! Ah, anti-racism, learning and unlearning my business, Wayfinder Life Coach Training, yay, hello cadets! 
I often feel overwhelmed by all the ideas I'm taking in. I need to simplify and let go of some things. And under that, and under that is a fear that I'll let go of the wrong things. How do I choose what to keep? Aha! You know if you're supposed to lose something because it will hurt. There is, that's the ultimate, you know, you go through Wayfinder Life Coach training and we have a box of tools and they work really well and it's very exciting, but really the only one you need to know is that the truth feels good and illusion feels bad. It feels bad physically, it feels bad emotionally, it feels bad socially, energetically. When you're headed toward what you're meant to go toward, there's a peacefulness, there's an openness that starts to just soothe your whole body and mind, even when you're going towards something that's terrifying. So as I got used to the idea of having a child with a cognitive disability, there was a lot of pain, a lot of it. And it, was, it did not feel like, oh, I'm just gonna embrace this experience. Oh, that's so great. What it was, was I'd sit there and look, I'd look at a Harvard professor or one of my doctors at the teaching hospital there who all disagreed with me. And I would look at them and I'd think, you're super, super smart. You're really successful. You're telling me that life can't be worthwhile unless, you know, my baby's life can't be worthwhile unless it's like yours and you're not happy. I can just tell you're not a happy person. And when I would click into that, I would go from high anxiety and like, ah, I don't know what to do. This is too much for me. And then, then I'd be like, no, that dude is wrong. He doesn't actually know anybody with Down syndrome. He's just going on a list of cultural assumptions that have been pursuing him his whole life. It's not his fault, but he's just, he's wrong. And I would go from like, ah, to sort of, whew. and that's how, you know, you just test every thought that comes up, every feeling that comes up, you check it to see if the pain you're feeling is the pain of accepting a difficult truth, which ultimately feels empowering, or it's just this toxic sludge of resistance that comes from our culture telling us things should be one way and then nature takes us another way. When we fight things that we're meant to have, it feels horrible. When we accept things we're not meant to have, it feels horrible. And when we move toward what's right for us, it always feels like freedom. So that's what the Buddha said. I've told you this before. Wherever you find a body of water, you can tell if it's the ocean because the ocean always tastes of salt. And wherever you find enlightenment in whatever form it takes, you can tell it because enlightenment always tastes of freedom. So that doesn't mean no fear. That doesn't mean a life of luxury. It means freedom. The bar of steel is having the dross taken out of it so that it's free from all those imperfections and it can be absolutely pure. So you just, as you go through, you keep testing. Does this feel like freedom? It scares me, but it feels like freedom. Okay, I take that. Whoo, peace. Does this feel like freedom? No, it feels like a trap. It feels like I'm cornered. It feels like chains. Let it go. Whew, peace. And that's how you die, that's how you move into the death. So that as Eckhart Tolle says, you die before you die, so you can learn that there is no death. Okay, back to my, uh, okay, Anne-Marie says, many of our children feel beaten down because they're dealing with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I know mine are. How can I best support my teenagers through all this when it's impossible to know what's next? Boy, oh boy. 
Isn't that true? I mean, at least I have the, I have the comfort of saying, well, it'll be over in a few decades for me at the most. Young people right now, um, it's really interesting when I'm coaching them because I get these, I get sort of steered when I'm coaching. And I was working with one of our Wayfinder cadets on one of our calls and she's a young woman in her 20s and is terrified of the future and doesn't know how she's going to make enough money to support her family. And I started talking to her and out of my, I was going to tell her, you'll be fine. You know, there are many ways to make a living. Instead, out of my mouth came all this stuff about jobs won't even be like they are now in the next five, 10 years. When you're 40, that we probably won't even have money like we have it now. We don't, let alone have an economy like it is right now. It's being smashed to pieces. The whole go to college, get a job thing, that was already dying way before COVID. I mean, people were coming out of Ivy League colleges when my kids were teenagers and not getting jobs, having, you know, it used to be that if you had a college degree, it was a ticket to a job, which was a ticket to support your family for life. That went away a long time ago. People are racking up so much college debt to take that bet, you know, that this is the way the culture does it. This is going to keep me safe. And it doesn't. And now you don't even get to go to the campus, right? You don't even get to go have your wild time among other young adults. It's really ripped apart the pattern of, of maturation for young people. But it's, this is the world beating the dross of its system out for them. So think about what Byron Katie always says, it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. This generation has to create a new way of being, has to create a new way of living on the earth um, because we can't keep raising Mother Earth's temperature indefinitely without bad, bad things happening to us. They're already happening. Um, they have to imagine beyond anything we've ever imagined. And the only way I know to do that, unfortunately, is to be hit by disappointment after disappointment. If I were working with a teenager now, I'm not coaching any teens right now, but if I were, I would say, what can you let go of and what can you imagine? What would bring you joy? And what can we imagine doing in a world where all bets are off and all the systems are breaking? What can we create for you out of your, um, your imagination? I just watched a film called, uh, it's a documentary, it's called Superhuman. It's really good. And it shows things like the fact, which I've done quite a bit of research now and it seems to be true. Any child under the age of 12 they put these blindfolds on that block 100% of the light and at first they can't see, but children under the age of 12 and blind adults can learn to see in some other way with these blindfolds on. They can read, they can ride bicycles, run around. They start to literally physically see and there's no light getting to the eyes. And I read about, I was all excited, I ordered a blindfold and then I read, oh, it's only the kids. <laughs> The young people can do things we have not imagined. They will be doing things we have not imagined. It is not you must go into this system which is now broke. It was always horrible, but now it's broken and horrible. No, it all has to go and new things must be imagined. And the process for that is ego death. The process for that is having the culture disappoint us over and over. So just stay tuned and stay alive and stay optimistic because out of this experience, amazing new things will come. 
All right. So Mary Kelly says, how do you deal with the grief of letting go of your ego beliefs? Well, I first I go through a period of intense rage, then I cry a lot. Then I go limp, I sleep for several days, then repeat. Eventually things get better. <laughs> like I lean into it now, but it's the grieving process. It's bargaining, anger, grief, uh, acceptance, and all jumbled up together. It's the process of letting go that happens to the human organism. It's what we do. And as long as we know that, it's just like, oh, here this goes again. All right. You know, it's like having a cold. The first time it happens, you're like, what's happening to me? By the time you've had several colds, you're like, oh, it's a cold. And even though it's not pleasant, um, you, can, you can cope with it quite well. Uh, Alexa says, attachment to knowing the truth is being hit out of me. How can one learn to trust after years of trauma? I want to trust and open myself. However, my cycles of distrust continue despite doing the deep trauma work. I would add to the deep trauma work, um, instead of just looking at the trauma, look at the opposite of the messages the trauma is giving you. Uh, I don't know exactly what kind of trauma work you're doing, but one of the things that happened with my own experience in therapy is that we looked at the trauma and looked at the trauma and looked at the trauma, and it just dug me down deeper into trauma. Then I started doing the stuff that I do with my coaches, um, which is thought and dissolution. Um, act. There are different modalities. I won't go into it here, but the trauma has a message, and the message is a lie. And you have to be able to know the exact opposite of that lie that will set you free. So the exact opposite of your most painful belief is your next step to enlightenment. Find your most painful belief. The opposite is the truth. I promise you. And trauma will unlock you so fast if you start to use it that way. And you need to give yourself lots of TLC and lots of tenderness and gentleness while it's happening because it hurts. Couple more questions. I just grabbed this last minute. Emily says, how do I alchemize the rage and grief from my past aside from primal screaming and weeping? None of it matters anymore. So I'm ready to dissolve all of it and choose joy. Two words, make things. Make a political movement, make a banner, make a quilt, make a picture, make a book, make a baby, make whatever, whatever helps you move forward. It's like I said last week, our task is to turn the anger that is affliction into the anger that is determination to bring about change, Audrey Lord. So bringing about change is how you channel the anger. Once it's channeled, it becomes energy, just energy to get things done. And it's awesome. Okay, last question, Jessica. I asked in the everyone that Diana herself would be the backdrop today because I started to read it for the second time yesterday. Oh my God, this is so weird, Jessica, because yesterday, I'm not kidding, I was just sitting on my bed and suddenly I thought, I don't like the picture that's there um, anymore because I've got these plants that are stuck to my wall <laughs> that I can't unstick. And I thought, I think I just feel like I have to go put the Diana picture. This was the cover of my book, Diana Herself, which I painted to go with the book. And um, now it turns out that Jessica wanted that to happen and asked for it. And so I got this little message over in pencil tucky or wherever I am. And just for Jessica, here it is. So that's the other side of being forged as a samurai sword that 
Um, it's what Nisargadatta Maharaj says, and he means it for every single one of us. He says, don't you understand? God is doing all of this for me. And really, when, you, when we get our eyes open, we realize, oh, God was doing all of this for me. And that's true of each of us. So I love you. I am so happy to be with you. And I will see you again very much. I hope so. I can't even talk. On the gathering room next week. See you then. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us.